when I, when I prepared this lesson, you know, we're still doing for a couple of weeks our own topic. And so I was trying to think about something that um, would be relevant. And I, I wasn't thinking about the violence in this country. It, when I wrote this, um, I was really thinking about the attitude that we're trying to have in reopening the church building again. And, um, you know, but there's so many things going on. I think it makes sense. Really what we're going to talk about tonight is, is uh, what does our neighbor need right now? And it's a teaching that, you know, you guys are familiar with. You've been in the church, but I think it's so fundamental. And I think it's timely and I think it's needed clearly because there's so much unrest in this country. Um, you know, I don't have to tell you, but just a few highlights. I mean, we've got over 40 million people unemployed right now. I mean, it's, it's the biggest number since the Great Depression. Um, you know, cities are, are imposing curfews. Uh, the National Guard's been called out, rioting, looting. Um, you know, our government is divided and uh, individuals are divided, whether it be on political lines or, um, you know, about how they feel about the virus. And, uh, you know, I, I think really the source of, of, of the division a lot of times is that, um, you know, we have our own view. And that's fine. It's, that's what this country is about, is, is being able to speak our, our own mind. But I want to look at how we feel and how we convey how we feel uh, towards others um, based on what the word says. And I really think that's really um, key. So, you know, trying to align our viewpoint with how God sees it and how he commands us to respond to other people. And so, you know, I want you to just, the points that I'm going to make, I'm going to try to make based on scripture. And then I want you to just uh, make your determination based on how well I've done that. But, um, you know, we see, you know, first off in, in, in scripture, when we're looking at, um, you know, early in God's love story to us in Genesis, that, um, you know, it's, it's about relationships with other people and not just our relationship with God. And, you know, that's part of the reason that we chose as our mission statement, uh, that it is connecting people to Jesus and each other. You know, and, and we understand, especially if you're a parent, that you want to teach your children to love their brothers and sisters, how important that is. And we see in uh, Genesis chapter 4, when Cain kills his brother Abel, that there's consequences for that. And we see that Cain is, is, uh, is cast out. Um, and it is important that we figure out how to please God um, in, in this situation. And so I want to encourage you to, if you're not doing it already, and I feel like I'm, I'm preaching to the very people who I can really count as our core, if you want to say that, I feel like you wouldn't be here tonight if you weren't already interested in feeding yourself um, spiritually. And so I appreciate you coming tonight. Um, you know, if you wear glasses like I do, you know that it matters 
whether your prescription is right or not. And right before the shutdown, literally like on a Thursday, I had gotten these new glasses and they changed the prescription and they're not right. And so I haven't been able to go and get them repaired yet. So like at work, I've been wearing like my old pair of glasses. But the point is that um, how we see things, if it gets distorted, makes a difference. And so we want to make sure that our, our, our viewpoint based on our worldview and how we treat other people is, um, is based on the way that God sees it. We want to line up with him and then we don't have to worry about whether we're wrong or not. Anyway, if you, if you have your Bibles or if you care to write these down, you can look at them later. But in Leviticus 19, when God is giving uh, his commands through his servant Moses, um, verse 18, he says, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your own people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. I think it's interesting how he finishes that statement. God does by saying, I am the Lord. In other words, this is a command, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. And there in that point, he's talking about it among your own people. And we can all identify with that. Right. But then Jesus expands on that teaching um, in Matthew 534 and Luke 627, when he talks about loving our enemy. And, you know, that covers everybody, whether they are from, you know, a, a different color, which so many people are, are you know, arguing about now, uh, the way that, you know, folks are treated, or whether they're from a different political party, or speak a different language, or, or even mean you harm, really. And, uh, you know, I know it's easier said than done. Um, that's why I think it's important to talk about things that, um, the Lord has commanded us. If, if you want to turn to Luke 10, we're going to park there for a while. And this is where um, it says an expert in the law. I'm in uh, Luke 10, 25. It's, it's what we would call the Good Samaritan text. And it says an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What's written in the law, he replied, Jesus did. How do you read it, he answered. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do, excuse me, do this and you will live. But the man wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. 
The next day he took two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. I know that probably every one of us have heard that story before, and, but it's, it's a key text because they're, they're asking, he's asking Jesus, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And he makes it clear that it's not about what we know because we see that the priest and uh, the Levite, and if you don't know what a Levite is, those from the tribe of Levi who were in charge of uh, everything within the temple, they were the only ones who could carry the Ark of the Covenant. Um, they were set apart for service um, by God. Again, these, these were people who, who knew all the right things, but Jesus uh, makes the point that it's not just about what we know, it's about how we behave and how we treat each other. And, um, you know, it's, it's not just a story, um, you know, like if you ever see somebody who's gotten beaten up, how to care for them, it's about um, what it means to really put yourself out there and really who our neighbor is. It's not just those who look like us or think like us. Um, you know, in this case, it appears that it was a complete stranger and someone who, you know, some might have even considered enemies. The Jews considered Samaritans uh, like their enemies. They, you know, the Samaritans had, um, many of them had intermarried with other, other people of other religions. Um, they considered them maybe half-breeds or, or some sort of mixed race. And the other thing, reason they didn't like them was because they had mixed other uh, religions uh, into sort of their worship of God. And, and the point, though, is Jesus makes is that uh, even those who they didn't consider to be worthy demonstrated what it really was to be a neighbor instead of those who had grown up knowing what all the right things were. And so. Um, you know, part of the reason that we study God's word is, is to learn truth, but a key part of it is applying that truth. And in this case, um, you know, Jesus makes it clear that those who knew the truth didn't act on it. Um, the man who, they, again, they would have considered less than them was the one who demonstrated what it was to be a neighbor to love his neighbor like himself. And so just thinking about, um, you know, how does that apply to us? You know, what are some of our neighbor's needs right now? Certainly, you know, one of them, if this, we were in Sunday school, the kids would all say Jesus. You know, that's always the answer. But it, it really is the answer to most of the questions. Uh, you know, that is their greatest need is for Jesus. And, you know, think about it. You know, if, if people knew the Lord, um, 
so many of these problems that we're facing today would not would not be in front of us. Um, you know, we have a responsibility, knowing the truth, of trying to meet our neighbors' needs. And so, um, you know, First Peter three fifteen, uh, Peter says, "But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give everyone." who ask you to give the reason for the hope you have. I'm sorry, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And I know that many of you uh, are already doing that, but he goes on and he says in verse eight, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called. And then he goes on and he talks about how important it is to keep our tongues in check, tongues from evil in verse 10. Um, verse 11, he says, turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. You know, those are things that I feel like we're already doing, but... You know, he's given us these instructions for a reason so that, um, you know, we can, we can internalize these things and apply them because some of these things are not easy when you talk about loving an enemy, somebody who, who means you harm. And so, um, you know, I would like to say that we've, even in the middle of all this, we've been able to meet some needs that our neighbors had. Uh, you know, maybe their need is for toilet paper. You know, maybe that's not as bad for some of them right now, but um, you know, we had the opportunity to do some of that as a church. We collected some cleaning supplies, some paper towels, toilet paper. Um, and I wanna thank Susan Cook for heading that up, but we were able to help about 15 families and you as part of the church were able to be a part of that. And I thank you for that. Another thing that we did was Allied Churches sent us notification that, um, you know, they were having so many people come to them to their Good Shepherd Kitchen or Joe's Diner. Um, and so we, you know, they, they threw together a, a quick food drive, which we only had like a day to prepare for. And, uh, so we talked amongst the mission group and we sent them a thousand dollars that they could purchase some supplies that they needed for the kitchen. Another thing that we did is we, we had a, a request from Park Springs camp. You know, there is not going to be camp as far as I know this year. And they, so there's going to be a deficit, you know, they still have needs. They still want to improve things. They still need to repair the dam. Um, and so they ask us, you know, are you able to help? And so we, we set aside about $2,500 every year for camp scholarships. We pay the tuition for any child, whether they attend Burlington Christian or not, that we're able to. And so we talked among uh, the, the elders and, and we decided we're going to send them that money um, rather than just sit on it. You know, and so we sent them $2,000 and then we kept back 500 and our plan, our, our goal is to maybe do a little service project. Hopefully if things clear out, 
maybe in the fall that we can, you know, go up there and do something with the remainder. And if we can't, we'll give them the balance of that. But, um, you know, there are so many needs right now. And, and speaking of that, I want to thank Jason for keeping up with our giving. Um, it's been pretty steady. I think as of the end of May, I think we were down about $1,400 or so. But, um, you know, that's something the needs of the kingdom continue. And I realize that maybe some of you may, you know, you may not have as many hours or you may have lost work and the Lord knows, but um, if you're able to give, we encourage you to do that. Um, you know, there are things that we can do individually as well to impact our neighbors. Um, you know, as of uh, today, one of the things that we're trying to do when we go back to worshiping together on Sunday is to, to be safe. And I know that, you know, each one of us, we've watched several different things about reopening and how to do that best, when to do it, and so forth. And one of the things that we've tried to do is to make safety a top priority. And, you know, some, some may think that's silly, you know, but we're trying to go overboard, not only for our own people and for their safety, but for any guests that we might have and for those that might consider coming, we want to remove any obstacle that we can from them coming. We want them to feel safe and um, that we've considered them. Uh, you know, in North Carolina, I think as of today, there's almost 30,000 cases, 944 deaths uh, related to this. And, and I know that each person has their opinion on, on what level, you know, from never going out to uh, you know, never changing a thing that they've done. I realize there's a wide spectrum, but what I'm asking us to do is to try to view loving our neighbor, um, just to be sensitive to the differences that we have, you know, and, and to, to be willing to, maybe put aside even how we feel about it in order to show our love for others. So, um, in the example of the Samaritan showing love to his neighbor, we see that he, he went out of his way for a stranger. Uh, it says he bandaged his wounds. And I was thinking about that, you know, whether Jesus was telling a parable or whether it was telling a real story. But think about that, you know, with what? You know, he's not carrying a first aid kit. It's probably his own clothes or something, you know, that, that was precious to him. Um, it says that he gave up his donkey for the, for the man who was injured. He also put himself at risk. You know, uh, you wonder why the other people didn't render aid. Um, you know, maybe it was dangerous, you know, he'd clearly been robbed and beaten and was half dead, it says. It also says that the Samaritan used his own oil to treat the wounds. He also gave up, uh, hey Dan, he also gave up his time, it says he took him to an inn, he, he paid for uh, the man to stay there, he stayed until the next day with him to take care of him. 
And then he told the innkeeper, you know, if there's anything more that I owe you, let me know and I'll pay you when I come back. And so my point is, loving our neighbors sometimes means putting ourselves out there. Um, there's a cost. And so that's what I want us to think about is how we can do that at whatever level, uh, the neighbors, or the, the people that we come in contact with. Um, in 1 Corinthians 9, Paul talks about uh, verse 19. He says, though I am free and belong to no one, I've made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. And then he goes on down in verse 22. He says, to the weak I became weak. I've become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. And so again, you know, we wouldn't even be reading that if Paul had not put himself out there. You know, we see that, you know, he changed his life after coming in contact with Jesus. You know, he left all the prestige that he had back in, in Jerusalem. You know, he's well-educated. He, he perhaps could have even been part of the Sanhedrin, but he, um, he goes on missionary journeys and we see what all he went through. He talks about how many times he was beaten, shipwrecked, you know, stoned. Um, you know, he talks about his own health, how he's worried about, you know, the churches, how the, you know, the Jews are always pursuing him. And, and my point is, you know, we wouldn't even be online right now, probably, if it weren't for Paul, who had given up his rights in order that, that we could know about the Lord. Um, you know, and Paul, um, he talks about in other places too, like in, um, in, in chapter nine still, he says, I haven't used any of the rights. He talks about, you know, he had a right to get paid. He had a right to have a family and all this kind of thing, but he hasn't done that. And so that's sort of the, he's our example as Jesus is our example. And, um, you know, I like what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 to verse 5. He says, for what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. And he goes on in that same passage, and he says, um, he talks about how that we have treasures in jars of clay. In other words, it's not about us. It's the treasure that, of the Lord and the gospel that we want to share with others. He says in verse 8, we're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. And so, um, you know, just a couple more scriptures and then we'll wrap up. One is Romans 12, verse 16. He says, live in harmony with each other. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. 
Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You know, again, if, if the world, you know, if, if we can demonstrate that to the world, it's so radically opposed to every, every other viewpoint where it's about what you think and how you feel, you know, you, you're, you know, the world has conditioned us to just say what we think about everything, you know, on, online, you know, a thumbs up or thumbs down about our music or our food or, um, you know, I don't know if there's a chance to, I think you've even got a little thing on your um, Zoom where you can do a thumbs up or thumbs down. I'm not going to ask you to do that tonight. But the, the point is that the devil wants to divide us any way that he can. And I know that this crisis has separated us physically. Um, and it's so vital that we are feeding ourselves individually. You know, if you had not fed yourself, physically since March, you, you probably wouldn't be on the earth. And so, you know, you can't wait for us to all be back in the building and be like it was. It, it may not be like it was anytime soon. We, we need to be in God's word so that his Holy Spirit can, um, there's Don. It's good to see you, Don. It's the first time I've seen you. So the Holy Spirit can, can change us and make us more like Jesus so that people are attracted to it, just like the churches were for Paul. Um, and so that we can overcome our automatic response. You know, it's like training in the military and David and others maybe have been in the military, but, you know, you do things so many times so that, when you have to do it, it's second nature to you. And, and I don't believe that we can love our enemies without the power of the Holy Spirit and working on that. Um, just like exercising a muscle, you know, you don't get in shape without stressing it. Um, the last thing I'll leave you with is Jesus telling his disciples in Matthew 16, 24, it says, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it.